Welcome to episode 37 of the Inner Wear Conversation, a podcast I've created for leaders like you. This podcast is dedicated to making sure you feel empowered and reassured that you are totally not alone, because let's face it, leadership loneliness is a thing. I'm Nikki Cross, founder of Thrive Life and Business, and in today's episode, I am talking about pace and persistence. For context, it's the beginning of August 2021 and our theme of the month inside Thrive Together is pace and persistence. So I am so excited to bring this episode to you. I have linked everything that you need in the show notes. So without further ado, let's dive straight in. Today, I wanna start to address a topic that is so linked to so many other topics, and that is pace and persistence. Inside my group membership, Thrive Together, we're moving into August where the topic is pace and persistence. And what I've noticed from exploring this in my own self-coaching, because of course I coach myself, we all coach ourselves, is how linked this topic really is to so many others. Burnout, stress, shame, self-sabotage, I feel so closely linked and connected to the topic of pace and persistence because I've personally spent years in the sprint and crash mode in so, so many areas of my own life, running, food, my business. I literally could reel them off, you know, with running. I used to feel the freshness of the run at the beginning and sprint right at the beginning, leaving me completely depleted and honestly not enjoying it for the other two thirds of it, feeling like I wasn't a good runner, I was completely out of breath, completely depleted. What did it, what else does it say? Food, food, I used to eat really healthily, in inverted commas, all week, and then fuck it up at the weekends. Meaning, by the way, that I used to disallow bad foods in the week and then binge on them at a weekend. That is another form of not having the correct pace and persistence to sustain the goal that you want which for me is my health and well-being. Um, And in my business, you know, I used to work at the pace of my to-do list, which as we all know, because we all have to-do lists, it just means I always used to be on all of the time. And as we know, this is not actually possible. Therefore, it's just a big lie. Being on all of the time just means that you're working yourself to exhaustion and then then you're completely unproductive and then you burn out and then you have to find your feet again. Honestly, I could give so many examples, but I think you get the gist. So I first started to acknowledge pace in 2018, which, gosh, is like... (laughs) I don't know, 12, 13 years into my career. But that's when I ran my first half marathon. Now, I don't know if any of you have completed a half marathon or even a full marathon, but what you learn very quickly (laughs) is what pace is all about. And at the time, I was listening to the the Nike running app. (laughs) I was going to say Rike nunning app. The Nike running app. And Coach Bennett, he talks a lot about effort and your one out of 10 and your 10 out of 10. And I bloody love this concept. For a start, my 10 out of 10 will be completely different to your 10 out of 10 effort, pace, persistence. And our 10 out of 10 effort will be completely different to Usain Bolt's 10 out of 10 effort. So I think what this made me realize is, well, the first thing it made me realize anyway is shit. Yeah. My running belongs to me because my pace belongs to me and my pace belongs to me because I have different thresholds than you do and vice versa. 
And I have different physical abilities and different skill levels and different experiences as you do and vice versa. So in turn, what this forces you to do is something so simple but so effective. It forces you to acknowledge what is your one out of 10? What is your 10 out of 10? And therefore it allows you to determine what effort level you will put in, which helps you determine your pace, which then informs how persistent you can be. Have you ever done this before? I hadn't. You know, have you ever acknowledged what your thresholds are, what your effort levels are, what your pace is? Let me tell you, if you're someone who is on the wagon, off the wagon, if you're someone who's either burnt out or feeling on it, then my guess is that your personal boundaries might be needing some TLC. There might be a reason for you to start bringing your relationship with time into consciousness a little bit more, to start considering that maybe, just maybe, the way you've convinced yourself is the most effective way for you to work might not be the best way after all. And I think this comes out a lot when we're, when we're trying to make progress towards our goals, which for any of you who've been following me for a little while, you'll know in July, the theme of the month for my Thrive Together members was goals. And the thing is with us as a species, we want to be right. We class our, we class our beliefs as facts and very rarely do we hold space for ourselves to question our beliefs and allow ourselves to be wrong. So what normally happens as a result of this is even though we can feel the effects of our ways of working not actually working for us, so the pace, the persistence that we're maintaining now, potentially causing us stress, causing us burnout, and also causing us self-sabotage, which is what I see often when people are trying to progress towards a goal, even though we can see the effects of the ways that we are working, we continue to do them anyway. And this is because we're quick to forget. So when we self-sabotage, when we burn out, we're forced to take a break. And then when we take a break, we feel good. We feel on it again. And then we go back to feeling good. And then we repeat the same cycle. And I can apply this same roller coaster to the examples I gave you earlier. Running, I'd sprint, then I'd rest. Crash, then I'd sprint. Food, I'd eat well, then I'd binge and I'd feel bad and I'd eat well again. My business, I'd hammer it, then I'd burn out, then I'd feel bad for not being productive, then I'd hammer it again. And do you notice this all or nothing theme that runs through? There's this thread of shame. With running, I felt like a piece of shit when I had to stop and catch my breath. With food, I felt so restrained that I'd reward myself and then feel so guilty and bad for ruining it, in inverted commas. And with my business, I feel frazzled, but accomplished and then burnt out. So not good enough for being not productive. So with this technique, this sprint and crash technique, there is no persistence because your pace is all or nothing. You cannot persist if you are sprinting. Sprinting is like 10 out of 10 effort and you cannot maintain 10 out of 10 effort. And I think by now in the episode, you can agree with me that if you were trying to sprint a half marathon, you're essentially making something that's already hard, even harder. So now let's relate this to goals. Inside Thrive Together, we set quarterly goals. And yes, completely know this is cliche, but if you're anything like me, anything longer than that, it's too vague, it's too abstract. So we set them for three months and we review them monthly. Anyway, you know that if you've been listening for a while, you know the way that we set goals is by removing the R from SMART. I don't believe in setting goals from a realistic place. I don't believe that that's good for you because 
Those realistic beliefs are normally formed from our limiting beliefs about what we deem to be possible or what we think is true for us. And as humans, like I say, we like to be right. So we run those beliefs so, so deep that it's it's one-to-one -one coaching work for me to challenge you on them. And this is a group membership. So rather than me challenge you on what you think might be possible for you, we instead let the goals do the work, allow the challenges of growth to come up as you pursue those goals. And anyway, linking back to pace and persistence and goals. Like I said, if you are trying to sprint a half marathon and basically making something that's already hard even harder, picture yourself running that half marathon. Think about all of the blockers to success. Success being your goal of making it over the finish line, perhaps in some sort of established time frame, pre-established time frame. There will be physical blockers. There will be mental blockers. There might even be environmental blockers such as the weather or the new trainers that you're wearing that are giving you blisters. Yes, that happened to me. What? With this kind of goal, persistence is so important and pace is the key. Let me make this even clearer. The definition of persisting is the fact, I've Googled this by the way, the definition, the definition of persisting is the fact of continuing in an opinion or a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Let me say that again. The definition of persisting is the fact of continuing in an opinion or a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. In spite of difficulty or opposition. How can you continue a course of action when it's difficult if you're completely fucked? You can't. So let's apply the pursuit, this, this same thing to the pursuit of your goals. You've set a goal, you feel great, you feel pumped. And if you're inside Thrive Together, you will have also defined your HVAs, which are your high value activities. So when we set a goal, we also recognize what are the high value activities that if we do them repeatedly and with consistently, we will, it will inch us, it will shuffle us towards our goal. You will have established clarity on what you want and how you are going to get there, what you're going to do to pull that goal in and move towards, forwards towards it. But here's what normally happens with three-month goals. The weeks can start to roll by and we may have started out pumped, motivated. So we may, we may have started out as a sprint, but that sprint, that motivation, that pumpedness, that can't be maintained for reasons that we've already discussed. So what started out as an enthusiastic forward movement starts to wane. But here's the really fucked up bit. We don't see that. We don't see that we've started out as a sprint, motivated, pumped, really um, enthusiastic, Instead, we see our lack of progress in comparison to the hypothetical progress that we think we should be making in our heads. We see that lack of progress and we make it mean something about us. Oh, I must not be good enough for this goal. I knew I'd fuck it. I knew I wouldn't be able to do this. I shouldn't have set that goal in the first place. On and on and on our bullshit goes. So instead of recognizing that actually pace has a lot to do with the progress that we are or aren't making towards that goal, we start to convince ourselves that it must be because we aren't enough. It must be because we aren't worthy. And then this is where our weekly power planning sessions come in if you're a Thrive Together member. Being unfamiliar with a healthy pace, it's a skill 
to set a healthy pace. It's a skill to be developed. And with this in mind, what I'd like to do in this episode is take you behind the scenes of our power planning sessions. For those of you who are Thrive Together members, this is this is going to offer you a insight into some of the practices that you're doing weekly. But for those of you who aren't members, hopefully you'll get some ideas about what you can self-coach on, or maybe it'll even nudge you into joining Thrive Together. I'll leave the link in the show notes. But what I want to preface this with is, this is basic stuff. If you're looking for groundbreaking quantum leaks, a fast fix, go elsewhere. If anyone comes to me wanting to create change, we start small and we start consistent. If I ever get resistance from my clients, which I do, my question is always, yes, this might be small. Yes, this might be basic. Yes, you likely already know that you should be doing these things, but are you? Are you already doing them? You might know it. You might think that it's insignificant. You might think that it's too small to create change, but are you doing it? And the answer is usually no. And I'm probably gonna read from the book I'm about to read from, probably gonna gonna share with you a few excerpts of this book throughout the episode today, but there's two books. If you are interested in pace and persistence, there are two books that I would really recommend. One is... Um, Effortless by Greg McEwen. So it's his second book. The first one was Essentialism. The second is Effortless. And the second book that I would recommend is The Slight Edge. And I'm going to read from it just to back up this point of pace. So in here, Jeff Olson says, steady wins the race. That's the truth of it because steady is what taps into the power of the slight edge. The fable of the tortoise and the hare is really about the remarkable power of momentum. Newton's second law of thermodynamics, a body at rest tends to stay at rest and a body in motion tends to remain in motion. That's why your activity is so important. Once you're in motion, it's easy to keep on keeping on. Once you stop, it's hard to change from stop to go. I coach people on how to build successful businesses by doing very simple, easy to do actions every day. Jeff then goes on to explain steady wins the race. When you're in motion, it's far easier to make positive changes in your direction. It's like steering a car. When the car's sitting still, moving the wheel is hard work, but when it's moving, even only at 10 or 20 miles per hour, turning is easy. It's a breeze because you're already in the flow. The slight edge is a flow and it moves at its own pace, automatically homing in on the optimal growth rates. Part of understanding the slight edge is learning to go with that flow. You can be as impatient as you like, but it won't bother the slight edge. It's always moving at its own optimal speed without, with or without your consent, whether you're aware of it moving or not. Um, there's so many more bits that I've got from this book, but I'm going to just leave that there. The point here is it's the small things done habitually that will change your life and business. And let me repeat that. It's the small things. It's about prevention. It's about priming. It's about understanding where your limits are. It's about getting to know what works for you and what doesn't by making the small adjustments more on that just in a little bit, but that will change things for you. So with that, let me explain. Power planning inside Thrive Together is something that we do weekly. And I really want to hone in in this episode on how power planning links to pace and persistence. I've had Thrive Together members say things to me like, I didn't come to power planning last week and it was no coincidence that I completely went to shit. I've also had 
people, um, members say to me, do you know what? I got to midweek and I had to do power planning over again. What they're learning to do, what my members are learning to do is establish their pace in order to be persistent towards their goals. It is so easy in life and in business for the busy work to take over. Really, it's so easy to go on autopilot, to slip back into habits of people pleasing, saying yes when you really should be saying no, swooping in, saving the day, being the hero, all of these different habits that you may have built up over time in your professional career and your personal life. So what power planning does is it creates more intention in the in your relationship with your time and also your progress towards your goals. So let me dive in. The first thing that we'll do is on a Friday, funnily enough. So on a Friday, I usually send out a message to all the Thrive Together members with prompts, helping them to do some key things. So the first one is a brain dump. And to be clear, this brain dump is designed to overwhelm them. This brain dump should leave my members feeling like, oh my God, I've run out of time. It's the end of my week and I've still got this whole list of things to do. They are supposed to brain dump any tasks that are left over for them to do, including any conversations they need to have, decisions they need to make, meetings they need to still prepare for, everything. The point of this is to overwhelm them. The point of this is to get them to that to that place so that the overwhelm is out. It's out of their heads and onto the paper. How can we possibly practice pace and persistence if we're constantly carrying the weight of our to-do lists in our minds? We can't because we're always feeling that weight of being behind. And when you feel behind, you struggle to be in the moment because of the guilt of not being productive. And the trick is to put in, to intentionally put that down so that you can live, so that you can enjoy and find joy. Your mind simply can't take this always on pace. That's, tra- that's exactly the same as trying to sprint a marathon. It needs you to practice time discipline by letting go, resting and enjoying being in the now. And the other thing that I get them to do is gratitude. Just before I finish up on a Friday, the practices that I want to encourage my members to do are practice gratitude. I haven't come across, and celebration, I haven't come across one of my clients yet who hasn't struggled with gratitude and celebration. It's just not a practice that we're used to when we're going after thing after thing after thing. And you might ask the question, what has celebration and gratitude got to do with pace and persistence? It has got everything to do with pace of persistence. We are so keen to get onto the next thing, onto the next thing. We're so keen to just plow on that, that when times are hard, when you feel like you can't go on, when you feel like you can't do it, when that race is difficult, you need to be able to pull upon the evidence that you have done hard things before, that you've come through, that you've got good relationships, good network around you and that you are nurturing those relationships and investing back in them. Um, And again, I'm going to read from the slight edge here because there's another page that I thought would be really useful to include. So for any of you who've got this book, it's page 213 and it's Use the Power of Celebration. There's another critical reason why the power of reflection is so important. It's not just to be a nag and remind you when you're slacking off, but it's also to point you towards all of the positive steps that you're taking. Back in 1980, authors Ken Blanchard and Spencer Johnson wrote, people who feel good about themselves produce good results. The little book, which these words appeared, was the one minute manager. It's a great book, that one. It's tiny. It's a great book. 
and this became one of the most influential books of all time. Blanchard and Johnson coined what has since become a well-worn phase in business. They urged man managers and business owners not to walk around trying to catch people doing something wrong, but to catch them doing something right. And this is called one minute praising. And it's easy, This I'm continuing, it's easy to forget to catch yourself doing something right. Um, let me miss that bit out. It's the slight edge of, of reflection and acknowledgement, celebration. Keep your slight edge activities, your right choices, your incremental successes right out in the open where you can see them and celebrate them. Remember that all activity required to apply the slight edge for your success is a series of baby steps. Trust the process, acknowledge those steps, no matter how small or insignificant they may seem at the time. Make each successful choice, sorry, make each successful right choice a celebration. You'll be able to feel literally those balance scales shifting in your favor. Nothing breeds success like more success. It's so simple that it's easy, tragically easy not to do it. The good news is doing it is just as easy. So to not stop, I'm putting the book down there for a minute, to not stop weekly just for five minutes and reflect both on yourself and where you can show yourself celebration and gratitude and the people around you, it's a crime to not do that. Doing it adds evidence to that bank that actually you can persist through difficult times, you can thrive through adversity, and it also pulls upon the memories of when you suffered adversity in the past and you've been absolutely fine. When you have had to ask for help and it, the world didn't go to shit, everything was fine. So those are the kinds of Friday reflections that we will do to help the Thrive Together members and to help my clients establish pace and persistence. And then when we're planning our week, what we do is we eliminate and prioritize. So when we're actually planning, I will guide the group through the process of understanding what they actually have on in that week in order to assess how much time they actually have to intentionally use. So what we do is we're factoring in all of our personal obligations and all of our intentional rest before anything else. Because far too often I see people do two things. Firstly, not factoring in that, yes, you need to take a lunch. Yes, you need to walk your dogs. Yes, you need to pick up the kids from school. Yes, you've got an elderly care parent to care for. Yes, you need to meditate to keep your brain, your head from falling off your neck. But what happens is when we don't acknowledge the things that we have to do, the, the obligations that we owe to ourselves and to the people that we love and to our teams... What happens is we don't factor those things into our week and therefore we think we've got more time than we actually have. And therefore what happens to the person is they feel urgent, they feel rushed and their mind feels like it needs to be in two places at once. I remember I used to do this to myself. I'd be answering work emails in the school playground. So if you're feeling like you're all over the place, you're never fully in the moment or if you're feeling bit behind... It might be because you're not factoring in all of the things that you actually have to do in your week. And that leads me on to the second thing that I'll see is zero time discipline, especially with lockdown and more working from home. Lines get blurred when work is at home and our homes are infiltrated with our work. 
we really need to be clear on when is rest, when is play, when is family time, when is you time. I'm a great believer, especially as a manifesting generator in human design, I'm a great believer in picking things up when the moment inspires me and going with it. And sometimes that means that I will spend more time on things. So sometimes I'll be, I don't know, creating a podcast episode and I'll be halfway through. And if I'm not feeling it, I'll just delete it and start again. I I, I have no issue with spending my time in those ways. I'm not talking about that. It's not necessarily about the time that you're working. So nine to five or whenever that is. It's more to do with the discipline that you have around your task list. And the way that I explain this to my Thrive Together members is by using my son, son as an example. My son knows that he goes to school between, nine, let's say, nine and three. And he knows that he's got certain subjects and certain pieces of work that he's got to complete during those times. Now, if the teachers turned around one day and said, do you know what, kids? Actually, school's going to change. We're not going to give you an end time to your day. We're just going to give you a big task list, a big to-do list. That to-do list will be never ending because you'll always have more work to do. And we're not actually going to tell you when the end's going to be. Those children will have no motivation to get to an end point. That's the point of having a start and an end is because your brain knows when I finish this, I can rest. And so by blurring those lines, by just continuing on your to-do list because you've got 20 more minutes before the kids come home or whatever it is, what you're telling your brain is, oh, don't worry, brain. When you finish those five tasks that I've given you today, if you finish them in good time, I'm just gonna give you another task to do. So it's like practicing time discipline, it helps you to think about your pace. And the way that I explain this to people is, I want you to give yourself minimums and maximums. Greg McEwen coins this as no more than, no less than. And again, I'm gonna share with you a snippet from his book, Effortless. It's page 140, if you've got it. He says, even when we wanna make consistent, steady progress on a priority project, life often intervenes. We may have planned to spend the morning at our desk and instead find ourselves stuck in meetings. We may have blocked off hours in our calendar for important work and instead find ourselves dealing with a toddler meltdown. Then to compensate for our perceived lack of productivity, we work all the way through the weekend in a mad rush to progress. We know that this comes at a cost. Low quality work, increased guilt, reduced confidence. There's an easier alternative. We can establish upper and lower bounds. Simply use the following rule. Never less than X, never more than Y. So he goes on to give a few examples. For example, um, finishing reading Les Miserables in six months. Never less than five pages a day. Never more than 25 pages a day hitting my sales numbers for the month, never less than five sales calls a day, never more than 10 sales calls a day. He goes on to say, finding the right range keeps us moving at a steady pace so that we can make consistent progress. The lower bound should be high enough to keep us feeling motivated and the low enough, sorry, and low enough that we can still achieve it even on the days when we're dealing with the unexpected chaos. The upper bound should be high enough to constitute good progress, but not so high as to leave us feeling exhausted. Once we get into the rhythm, the progress begins to flow. We are able to take effortless action. I love this concept. I use this concept. I use this never more than, never less than, and it works. 
And on that point, what I then get my Thrive Together members to do is connect to their goals and their HVAs. So you've already heard me talk about HVAs, their high value activities. So what I take them through is establishing, yes, this is the time that you now have in your week. This is the time that you have to to intentionally use. The really important thing when it comes to persisting with your goals is deciding in advance where your focus will be. We've all been there, haven't we? In the moment, responding to the mail when it come in, firefighting, swooping in as the hero, sticking our sticky beak into things that don't even need our involvement, just so that we can feel productive. Busy means productive bollocks. The false benefit to this behavior is that we feel busy, we feel productive, but at the same time, we're we're avoiding our HVAs that are probably challenging, that are probably taking courage, and that are probably, sorry, um, not taking, requiring courage, and that are probably taking us closer to our goal. But what we do by connecting to them weekly is we prioritize them we establish the busy work, we establish the business as usual, and we make sure that we factor in our HVAs. And one final point on this, back to the back to the slight edge thing that I was talking about, high value activities are high value, but this doesn't necessarily mean that they are big quantum leap movements. Yes, they are bold in that we might have to face some inner demons we might have to have an inner battle on our hands in confronting our resistance but this doesn't mean that my thrive together members or even me for that matter this doesn't mean that we're making quantum leaps every single day far from it we're doing small things regularly that we know will shuffle us forward that's that's the point of this exercise And then the last thing that I wanted to share with you that we also practice weekly in Thrive Together is choosing our identity, communicating our availability and needs and having a not to-do list. So in terms of our identity, when we move forward into our week, one of the things that I'm very aware of is our mindset and how all of our underlying limiting beliefs can get in the way of us making progress towards our goals so if I give you an example I went to an exercise class that I don't usually go to last Sunday and it was so weird to observe myself doing it it was like on the way there I was thinking I'm nervous I've never done this before I hope I'm going to be okay while I was in the class I was thinking I can't do it I just can't do this. It's really hard. I'm struggling. It's tough. I'm not going to be able to do another round. But then when I finished the class, I was like, okay, I'm not as nervous to go to that again. I know what to expect. I am actually still here. I am actually still alive. I am okay. And the point of this is, I suppose what I hadn't done before that exercise class is I hadn't primed my identity and therefore my subconscious thoughts took over and they blocked me from what I was probably physically able to do. And now that I'm aware of that, next time I go to that class, I will be more conscious of the thoughts that I am thinking as I am feeling that discomfort during the class. And I will probably be more conscious of the the words that I am saying to myself as I am focused on the activity that I'm doing. So to put this into context, Questions that I will ask you if you're a Thrive Together member are things like, are you aware of your subconscious limiting beliefs? Are you aware of some of the self-sabotaging thoughts that come up in your mind while you're in the thick of it? And 
In addition to that, do you know when you work best for certain tasks? Again, back to the running metaphor. For me, I know that I I work better, I exercise better in the morning, it just feels better. Similarly, I know that I make better decisions with more courage of a morning when I haven't opened my emails yet, when I haven't opened my to-do list. So what we do inside, inside Thrive Together is we look at block booking our time, we batch things together. So anything that requires courage, we batch it together. Anything that is a shitload of admin activities, we batch them together. Anything that we can theme, we theme our days. So I will only ever usually take client calls on a Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes a Thursday. All of these things are contributing towards us having the identity of using our time with intention. You know, based on our preferences. This isn't me telling my members, you should be doing things in a certain way. This is me getting them to explore, where are your preferences? And choose a conscious identity rather than letting your unconscious self-sabotaging thoughts take over. How many times can you catch yourself during the week sabotaging your pace and your progress and your persistence with your thoughts? So, what we do is choose an identity that we can come back to, that we can anchor on, if any of you are familiar with neurolinguistic programming, if that we can ground into. And what this teaches us is that your thoughts can get in the way of what you are physically capable of. And this is happening in not just in exercise, in life, in business. So this exercise is literally just bringing our thoughts into consciousness and helping us to make decisions prior to our week about when we are at our best to do certain activities. And then finally, in terms of pace and persistence, we need to recognise that there are other people around us that need our involvement, that require our support and that we require their support. So that whole Stephen Covey concept of interdependence. I really find it fascinating, um, the whole the whole theory of interdependence. I'm not going to go into it in today's episode, but I am going to link in the show notes um, a great YouTube video by David Marquet called um, Greatness. So I'll link that if you want to know more about interdependence. But it requires us to communicate. And what it requires us to do is communicate our needs and it requires us to ask others what support they need from us. So what I'm encouraging my members to do at the beginning of each week is go out to their team, go out to their family, go out to their network and say, here are my priorities and here are my boundaries and here's what I need from you in order to support me. And I want, and I also want to know what I can do for you in order to support you so that we can equally interdependently reach our collective goals that is so important it's so important not just for your goals and your progress and your persistence towards them and the support that you have around you but also in nurturing those relationships and again showing the people around you that they're important to you so important that you are wanting to factor in time for them and you are also role modeling leadership behavior by factoring in time that will not be disturbed for the progress towards your goals. And then finally, we look at the things that we absolutely are not going to do. So what I'll get my members to do is I will get them to write a not do list. 
and that normally just comes from that brain dump that I mentioned right at the beginning, I will get them to eliminate things that they will not commit to during this week. And what that allows them to do is just pop it on the shelf, pop it on the shelf, an imaginary shelf over in the corner of your room that is not in front of you, that is not on your computer screen, not on your to-do list, not on your desk. It's over there on the shelf and you are you can see those activities. You know that you're not gonna do them this week and you have decided that in advance. How many times have you tried to make progress during your week and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, but I've got this to do, I've got that to do. <gasps> I'm not making progress on that thing. I'm not, I'm not doing this well enough. Just park it, just park it. We'll pick it back up again on Friday. So bear in mind, the whole concept here is linking back to pace and persistence. It is harder to do that half marathon carrying a backpack of shit that you don't actually need to address until you finish that half marathon put the backpack down, (laughs) leave it in a locker somewhere and go and do your bloody half marathon. So the metaphor is just have your week, put the stuff down that you absolutely know that you're not going to get done. You know, it's not going to get done and nor should it. Pace and persistence requires us to determine, to discern the things that we will do, the things that we're going to class as a priority on this day, in this hour, in this week and put everything else down. So my intention for this episode was to share some of that with you. Even if you're not a Thrive Together member, what I want you to consider that if you're setting goals that are stretching, if you're setting goals that are challenging, which I hope that you are, I hope that you are challenging your limiting beliefs. I hope that you are setting goals that stretch you in terms of your growth and expansion. Setting goals is one thing, but making progress towards them is an entirely different thing. And if you're a crammer, so if you leave things to the last minute, if you give up when it's hard, when you haven't made the progress towards your goals that you want to, or when you experience setbacks, please know these behaviors are normal. It is a skill to practice pace. It takes discipline to practice persistence. And it takes a lot of exploring the inner work to practice persistence because you'll get a lot of resistance in completing the small things on a regular basis. And as you've probably summarized yourself during this episode, persistence is only possible if we're committed to working through the tough stuff and using our energy in a way that sustains us, remembering that you cannot sprint a marathon or a half in my case, (laughs) and nor do you need to, nor do you need to. So with that, I'm going to leave the episode there. I really hope that you have enjoyed this insight into the behind the scenes, the method behind the madness, whether you're a Thrive Together member or not, whether you're a one-to-one client of mine or not. And on that note, I want to finalize by saying it's currently August, 2021. I have applications now open for working with me on a one-to-one basis with an October start and fully booked till October this year, but the doors to thrive together are very much open. I'll link all of the um, links in the show notes to this episode. And I really, really would love to hear from you in terms of what you're going to take from this episode and apply in your life and business. Before you go, I have a request. If you enjoyed today's episode, if the content resonated with you, please, please, will you do two things? 
Firstly, will you make sure that you apply it to your life and business and share with me the impacts that it's having? There is nothing that I enjoy more when I get messages from you saying, I took that message, I applied it in this way, here is the outcome that I am now seeing. That makes my day. And secondly, make sure you're subscribed and please share this podcast with another leader, a friend, a colleague, or someone in your network that you think would benefit from it. Even share it on your social media. If you do, make sure to tag me. So with that, I'll see you in episode 38. Till then, have an intentional day. I am cheering you on always.